on somebody, shake somebody's hand today, tell them that God is good, and then you can be seated. Thank you, music department. That name is <clears throat> Praise God. We're going to finish up today on the Spirit-Filled Believer. So today will be part three. I won't do any review today. Of course, if you're watching online, sitting in the service, all of these messages are in our YouVersion Bible app as well as you can go to our website. Listen to the two messages prior to this one to gain even further clarity about what you'll hear today. But really what we've been trying to prove is that is salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit, is that two separate experiences or are they one and the same? So once again, I want to welcome our online viewing audience. I know it's raining out. So a lot of people probably stay. I know a lot of our members are probably watching online. Uh, and so we want to thank everyone. Go to the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, go to the events section. Click on Linked Up Church. Uh, the outline will be right there, uh, and you can follow along. This will be a great blessing to you today. I want you to look at a neighbor and look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, something good is happening in you and for you today. Hallelujah. And so we've been really examining, you know, most people don't believe that these are two different experiences today, and mostly because faith comes by hearing. It's not talked a lot about in church today. So like anything else, if you don't minister about it, how many know people won't have faith to believe it? And so they can't walk in what they don't know. And so it's a pastor and the church's responsibility to make sure that this information, this information stays Relevant. And so in letter A, we've looked at what did Jesus have to say about these two experiences. And of course, what he said to me is the most important information that we can look at. Don't have any time to go back and look. Letter B, we looked at do I have all the Holy Spirit that I can ever have at salvation? Uh, letter C, we looked at do the apostles agree uh, with Jesus? Then letter E, where we left off on last week, we looked at um, or letter D, I'm sorry, the witness of the early church, and then letter E, uh, which is where we left off on last week or where we'll pick up at today. We're going to look at the witness of Saul of Tarsus. So everything from here will be new information. The witness of Saul of Tarsus. Now, of course, a lot of people are like, well, who is Saul of Tarsus? So the apostle Paul was once called Saul of Tarsus. And his testimony also bears witness to the truth that salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit are two separate experiences. Now, Paul's information is important to me because he wrote more about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, praying in other tongues. He wrote more about that than any other writer in the entire New Testament. And so we want to really look at what happened to him and where did he get that revelation from. So if you all will, go with me to Acts chapter 9, and let's begin reading at verse 1. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, says, Then Saul, breathing or still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way... So Christians were called of the way before they were called Christians. 
So the early Christians were called those that are of the way before they were termed Christians. And so he's asking for letters that anyone who is a Christian, whether that is a male or female, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So in other words, he wants to capture them and put them on jail. So is it safe, or put them in jail. So is it safe to say that Paul or Saul is not Christ friendly? Would everyone agree with that? Is it safe to say that Paul at this, or Saul at this point of his life is anti-Christ? Is that a safe statement to say? All right, let's keep reading here. So he wants to, everyone who says that they're a Christian, whether they're a male or female, he wants to bring them bound and put them in prison in Jerusalem. So as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground. Now notice right away here, how many of you know a lot of times when God wants to get your attention, how many know he's going to expose you to his power? See, when you're that anti-Christ, how many know it's probably not anything anyone can say to you that's going to change you? When you're that opposed to God, then you have to have an experience with God that demonstrates he's greater than I am. Can everyone in here agree with that? And so here he is on his way to do damage, and then all of a sudden a bright light shines from heaven, right? It, it really shines all around him, and the power from that bright light, the Scripture says, suddenly knocks him to the ground. I love that word, suddenly. See, if you really look at this in context, this is one moment Paul's life is one way, bam, he hits the power of God, hits his life, and his life is getting ready to completely change like that. I'm working on something right now because there's somebody sitting in this room, there's somebody watching online right now, that you are in prime position for your life to be one way when you walked in today, but for you to leave out of here completely changed. And folks, it can happen suddenly. If you, you, and you've got to have faith to believe this. You've got to believe that God can show up at any time and change your circumstances whenever he wants to. Do I have anyone in here that believes that? Is there anyone in here that's ever had a suddenly happen to them before? I'm talking about where one day I was broke and the next day things my needs were met. Come on, one day I was sick and then suddenly the power of God healed my body. Come on, one day my family looked like it was getting ready to get bust up and then bam, the power of God hits my family and then all of us are doing well today. Do I have one to two witnesses in this place today? Well, God sent me to tell somebody sitting in this room, somebody watching online today, that he has a suddenly for you if you'll believe him for it. Now, I've never read this verse before in my life. Right? I've read it, but just while Minister Diane was praying, of course, I've been studying this, and it's been in my spirit. That's how I know it's for somebody in both of these services today. If you all would, this is not in my notes. This is all Holy Ghost. Put Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 on that screen in the Message Bible. Is there someone in this room that you've just had a series of disappointing events happen in your life? Raise your hand if you just had a series, almost like wave after wave after wave 
of disappointing experiences in your life. Lift your hand up so you can know that you're not by yourself. All right, Lord told me to share this verse with you today. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, Message Bible says this. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Somebody in this room is getting ready to receive. Matter of fact, you're receiving it right now, a sudden good break that's getting ready to turn your life around for the rest of your life. And if you receive that today, somebody just go ahead and act like the sudden good break is already manifested. Come on, I'm talking about don't play with that. Don't pity pat with that. Come on, there is a sudden good break manifesting in your life as I speak. Somebody say, I receive it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here Paul is on his way to Jerusalem to do one thing, and the power of God hits his life and changes his trajectory for the rest of his life. What I believe the Spirit of God is saying here, that this good break that's getting ready to manifest in your life is a life changer. You're not going back to where you came from. I'm talking about this is the break you've been waiting for. This is the break you've been believing for. This is the break that changes that situation forever to never go back to it again. Boy, I wish I had a little bit more faith in this room. I received that for myself today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Somebody say, bam. bam. Suddenly, everything just changed. You've got to see it in here before you ever see it out there. So in verse 4, back in, in Acts chapter 9, so he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, notice Jesus took that personal. Especially if you have a red letter edition. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goals. That word goals there means literally a divine impulse, a sting, a prick. I mean, when the Spirit of God begins to deal with you about something, I mean, it's hard for you to go against what he's dealing with you about. So I want to challenge somebody here. Has the Spirit of God been dealing with somebody in this room about something? It's time for you to stop fighting against that and just yield to that and do exactly what he said for you to do because it's going to be hard for you to fight against his divine impulses. So he goes on to say here, and he said to him, Who are you, Lord? Now, I believe this is the quickest conversion ever known to man. Notice what he says. Who are you? Remember that. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. 
hard for you to kick against the gourds. So he, trembling and astonished, said again, Lord, what do you want me to do? I believe one of the greatest things we can ever do as believers when we discern that he is dealing with us, that he is pricking us, come on somebody, that his divine impulses are, are really troubling us in a good way. I believe one of the greatest things we could ever say is, Lord, because that means you're supreme in authority, what do you want me to do? Somebody needs to say that right now. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? So he goes on to say he's trembling, he's astonished. Power of God has hit his, hit his life. He's fallen out under that power. Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into a city, and you will be told what you must do. And the man, men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground. That tells you the power of God knocked him all the way down. And when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now, I want to bring out a real nugget here for you. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. So I believe the Spirit of God is showing all of us something here right now. He asked the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And notice the, the Lord puts him on a three-day fast. See, a lot of us are trying to hear from God while on social media. Come on, a lot of us are trying to hear from God while binge-watching all of our favorite shows. I mean, there's some things you're never going to get from God until you push the television back. Come on, somebody, you push the food back, and you get into a quiet place where it's just you and God, and you stay there long enough until you get specific directions. I'll prove all of this in a moment because the text will bear itself out. So point number one under letter E today, did Paul get saved? Because the argument is always going to be, where does it say he got saved? Only thing we read is that he called him Lord twice, right? All right, so then in Acts chapter 6 there, or Acts chapter 9, verse 6, you'll notice again, he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Two years later, point number two, two years later, or years later, Paul described how to receive salvation. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. I personally believe he's describing how to receive salvation based off of the way he received it. In Romans chapter 10, so years later, Paul writes a, a letter to the saints at Rome, and in this letter, he's telling them how to receive salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, says, If thou confess with thy mouth, what? Come on, say it. If thou confess with thy mouth, what? And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? Drop down to verse 13. Verse 13 says, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? What did Paul call on in Acts chapter 9? the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody on the count of three with me. Just say Jesus as loud as you can. One, two, three. Jesus! That name still works today. Come on, and the blood has not lost an ounce of its power. So Paul literally confessed 
Jesus as what? Now let's go back to Acts chapter 9. So the question now becomes, did Ananias, who now Jesus told him to go see, did Ananias believe that salvation was all that Paul needed? Let's pick the story up in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. So now, there was a certain disciple. Remember what we talked about last week. When you see the word certain, this is an individual, an actual individual that lived. This is a true story. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, here am I, watch this, Lord. So Ananias is a what? Believer. So he says, here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to a street called Straight. I want you to see here how detailed and specific the Lord is when he's speaking to you. He is never shotgun. Hello, somebody. Just go and I, and wherever you, I mean, there's always details with God. So he tells him to go, the Lord says to him, go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. So he tells him what street to go to, whose house to go to, and who will be there. Hello. Then notice what he says. He arrives to a street and inquired the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Now watch this. For behold, he is what? All right, so now remember a little bit earlier, we read for three days and three nights, he didn't eat anything. So then what else are you going to be doing if you can't see because he's been blinded? Hello, somebody. You're not eating and you're not drinking. Praying, right? How many know you, you, heaven can't hear from you, Jesus can't hear from you unless you know him? I'm setting up something today. Who was that suddenly for in this building? I might just keep working with that all day long. I'm telling you, my life is changing. Just I'm not talking as you're looking at me, it's changing. I'm talking about things have been one way, never to be that way ever again. I'm talking about, I believe I'm getting ready to get hit in the head. Come on, somebody. I believe the power of God is getting ready to just knock me down. And when he knocks me down, I'm going to tell him, leave me down there as long as you need to until you walk, walk me out or walk me into everything that I know you have for. So now watch the detail here, verse 12. And in a vision, he has seen a man named or he has seen a man named Ananias. So he tells Ananias that he's going to go to a street to Judah's house and Paul will be there. Then he tells Ananias, when you come into the house, Paul's going to know that I sent you. All right? Put your hands on him that he might receive his sight. Now this is true right here. This is accurate. So a couple of things I want to I wanna note here even before I read this. Well, let's keep reading, then I'll bring that out. Then Ananias answered, and he said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Now, how many know it's okay to let God know you have concerns? It's okay to say, Lord, there have been many people that have tried to buy lands and buildings cash. 
It's okay to be honest with God. Ananias is being honest here. I don't want to deal with this guy. I heard all about him. So I've heard from many how this man has done harm to, to many of your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles are those that are without God. How many know you can't share Jesus with somebody? You can't give people what you don't have. I'm trying to prove to you he's already saved. To kings and to the children of Israel. So he literally details Paul's calling. To the Gentiles first, then to kings, and then to the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And, I, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and laying hands on him. What does he call him? What does he call him? What does he call him? How many know I have one blood brother? His name is Charles Gregory. One blood brother. How many know Johnny Walker is my brother too? Right? What makes Johnny Walker, George Houston, Russell Williams, what makes them my brother is because they named the name of Jesus, so that makes them my brother in Christ. So I can literally say that's my brother George because he's my brother in Christ. We're both saved. I just want you to notice how Ananias addresses him after Jesus says he is a chosen vessel of mine. He goes into the room and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me so that you may receive your sight. And I'll pause right there. So I want you to notice what Ananias said. The same Jesus that appeared to you appeared to me. So I need to help some people in here today. If someone is telling you something that God told them to tell you and God has not told you first, you need to put that on the shelf. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now, especially if you're single in here. You got a lot of folks saying, the Lord told me you were my spouse, and he never told you that. The light is in my eye. Can I get any help in this building today? I'm talking about every time someone tells you something God told them to tell you and he didn't tell you first, put that on the shelf until God tells you and confirms what they said to you. Don't you go running out here doing something because somebody told you God told them to tell you to do it. There are a lot of people started churches today. A lot of people living in cities today. A lot of people have transferred jobs. A lot of people have married people that somebody else told them was their spouse and God never told the individual themselves. Let me tell you something. When it is God, he knows how to tell you and he knows how to tell the other person. So that when the two of you talk together, both of you all will share the same witness that the same Jesus that told you that is the same Jesus that told me that. Come on, I need a better amen in this place today. I believe, folks, I can say this by the power and presence of God. I believe a lot of pastors, ministers, teachers have used that to manipulate people. 
People didn't have their own personal relationship God, with God and enough strength and boldness to say, hold on, I, I hear that, but let me go pray about that and see if God confirms that with me. Then if God doesn't, you've got to have enough courage to go back and say, I didn't get that. And then trust it wherever that goes. If that gets me fired, come on somebody, if that gets me removed, I know that the same God that didn't tell me that is the same God that's going to take care of me going forward. Come on, I need a better amen in this place today. You got to stop running around here following voices and listening to prophecies and all of this stuff that people are saying about you that you haven't spent enough time to pray about yourself. If you haven't taken at least three days, come on somebody, and put your face before God and fasted and pushed the plate back, I am not making any major decisions in my life that I have not done that part on my own. Especially when you talk about marrying somebody, making a big purchase. See, I don't know how we're saying God bless me with the house and it's in foreclosure all in the same three-year span. Y'all going to make me come down on the floor today. Come on, I don't know how people say, look at this new car God's blessed me with that's being repossessed. I believe we're out doing a whole lot of stuff that we haven't disciplined ourselves. Hello, somebody. I just believe we made the devil real mad in this service today. Come on, did we make the devil real mad in this service today? Let's go in and finish him off by giving God one of the best praises you can ever give God. Come on, go ahead and finish him off right now. Come on, go ahead and just put the nail in the coffin right now. Hallelujah! Can't just go running out here doing stuff. Every opportunity is not a God opportunity. It could be an opportunity that takes you away from God. Everything that everybody tells you about other people may not be true. You got to learn how to know people by the spirit and not what people tell you about them. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. It says, judge a tree and know a tree by the fruit that it bears, not the gossip that other people tell, tell you about. Who was that suddenly for in this building today? Come on, don't, don't walk out of here with what you need. Now let's notice the language here. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road also came to me. And he sent me that you might receive your sight, hold on now, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we've already established that he's saved. Right? Now he's saying the Lord sent me so that you can receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So clearly Ananias nor Jesus believed that salvation was enough for what Paul was getting ready to encounter. Is that accurate? Let's keep reading. So then he received his sight at once and he arose and now notice again another confirming moment. He's baptized. Here, water baptized. So we see at Paul's conversion he gets saved. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost and he gets water baptized. 
before he starts his ministry. I rest my case. Then Saul spent three days with the disciples at Damascus. Now, if you look at the very next verse, verse 20, it's not in your notes, just an observation. Put verse 20 up there, Acts 9, 20, uh, New King James Version. Very next verse. It's interesting here, after all that happens, look at what he immediately does. That was almost like right on time. Too. <laughs> immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God. So notice he needed to be saved, filled, water baptized to have something on him to go out and preach Christ that he is the son of God. You have him in you, but some of you all need something on you. And you're out here trying to do stuff that you don't have all your equipment to successfully navigate that kind of terrain. So I believe we've established here, if you'll notice, Ananias did not say Jesus sent me to lay hands on you so that you may be saved. He said for you to receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So then clearly these have to be two separate experiences. All right, let's close with this thought today. Letter F, let's look at a well of water versus rivers of living water. Let's look at a well of water versus rivers of living water. Water in the scripture represents the word and the Holy Spirit. Is that an accurate statement? Jesus said in John chapter 15, now, verse 2, now you are clean through the what? Word. Hello. Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it's right around verse 23, says that Jesus would sanctify the church with the washing of water by the what? So we see here that in the scripture, water can represent the word of God and the Holy Spirit. In both contexts that we're getting ready to read today, Jesus himself is referring to the Holy Spirit. So there are two passages of Scripture where Jesus said or uses the image of water to beautifully picture both the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Go with me to John chapter 4. Let's look at a well of water. Number one under letter F, let's look at a well of water. John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14 says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. What's her purpose for being at the well? It's to draw water, right? So a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. A drink, singular. Right? So right, right now we're getting some descriptive words here about water. Water in this context is for our own personal benefit. Or water in a well is for drinking, for our personal benefit. Notice he said, give me one drink, a drink. Keep reading. His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan? Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. So clearly we know that these are, according to the Jews, the scum of the earth or people that don't know God. Accurate statement? Right? Let's keep reading. So he, her purpose then is to lead her into something she doesn't have. Is that good? Can we all agree with that? All right, let's keep reading. For Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, one drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I mean, you know, somebody's purpose for being at the well to get water, man, when you tell them there's a new kind of water out here, reverse osmosis come on purified <laughs> distilled what is this i've been drinking fountain water or well water you talking about some living water right i mean that's going to get someone's attention right i think they've been getting us for years with just changing names on bottles <laughs> same water just different wrapping around come on we are buying gallons of it I just believe if I didn't purify it myself, I don't know how purified it is. Come on, somebody. If I didn't distill it myself, <laughs> I don't know how distilled it is. Jesus says, if you would have known who it was and the gift of God, and you would have asked to give me or give you some living water. Now watch this. This is so good. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Or she says here, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Then where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, key words here, here will never thirst. Never. But the water that I shall give him will become in him. Notice, where's that water going to be? In him. A fountain of water springing up into what? All right. So clearly here, Jesus is talking about receiving eternal life, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. So this here is for our individual benefit. So notice, salvation is for our individual benefit. The Holy Spirit in us is for our individual benefit. So my question to you is, I mean, we can all drink a glass of water, but if we drink one glass, are we full? Right? Well, that's for me. That's a glass of water. But am I full? Most people believe you need to drink 64 ounces a day. Is that accurate? So there's one filling, but I need many refillings. So the one glass, I mean, it'll sustain me. But if I want to help other people, I need more. So there is water in a well, and there's water in a river. 
The water, in essence, is the same, but the water in the well is for one purpose. The water in the river is for another purpose. So we've established that the water in the well is for my personal benefit. Is that accurate? So since water in both of these passages represent the Holy Spirit, Jesus is simply telling us that there are two experiences in the Holy Spirit. One experience in the Holy Spirit is when I receive salvation. Then the other experience is out of me is going to flow something that's going to benefit other people. Let's read the text here. Go with me to John chapter 7. Let's look at rivers of living water. Now, right away, there's some natural things we can understand about rivers. Right away, we notice it's plural. So it was one glass of water, right? But rivers, that's plural. Right? If you know anything about rivers, they receive water and they give water. But they also sustain life. Plant life, vegetable life, fish, right? Bears can come in and, and get fish out of the water. Birds can fly and get small fish out of the water, right? So a river is life-giving. Is that an accurate statement? It has water flowing into it, and it has water flowing out of it. Let's read in John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus here, if you have a, a Bible and you're a student of the Bible, then he's literally talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit that's to come. Should say that right in the heading in your Bible. So it says here, on the last day, John 7, 37, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. How I many know that's the initial? I mean, you need to be saved before we can talk about anything else. Before we can talk about something coming on you and you being water baptized, the first drink you need is the drink of salvation. Is that an accurate statement? All right, so he goes on to say here, come, let him come unto me and let him drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, right? So notice the drink is for believing. So you've got to believe in him first before we can talk about anything else. Is that an accurate statement? So he goes in to say here, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, then watch this, out of his heart, King James Version says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Not just one river, but rivers. So notice then he's talking about something flowing out of us to benefit other people. So, I mean, no, salvation will benefit me. But if I want to be a blessing to other people, I've got to have something additional on me. I mean, I'm not going to get a lot of people healed in my own strength. I mean, I'm not going to get a lot of people delivered in my own strength. I mean, no, I certainly can't do this in my own strength. I mean, no, there's something on me empowering me to do all of this that I could never take credit for. I don't have enough education. I'm not smart enough. I wasn't born to the right family. Come on, somebody. I wasn't born on the right side of the track. Nothing in my life lines up for what's manifested in my life. But I came to tell somebody, when something comes on you that's greater than you, then you can do stuff that your natural limitations won't allow you to do. Come on, do I have any witnesses in this place today? 
Huh? I'm limited without something on me greater than me. Extremely limited. You take that off of me, and you'll realize that's a regular, ordinary man who wouldn't be no further alone than anybody else unless I cooperated with what was on me. My life would look like everybody else's. The only thing that separates it is what's on me. That's on some of you and getting ready to get on some more of you. Who was that suddenly for in this building today? Oh, I'm telling you, it's going to be some testimonies come out of that. I'm talking about suddenly things paid off. I'm talking about suddenly healing manifested in your body. I'm talking about I walked in like this today, but I walked out like that. Come on, somebody. Come on, I walked in not feeling good. I walked out feeling great. Come on, somebody. All right. But this he spoke concerning the what? Whom those believing in him, notice already believing in him, would receive. So he's talking about something that's coming, not something that they already have. Is that accurate? So he said, for those that believe on me, they'll receive this. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, yet they all believe. How many of y'all know when Jesus was here, he was salvation? They're following him because they believe in him. Is that accurate? And he's saying something's coming that's greater. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we know the water in the well is for our personal benefit. But how many of y'all know if you want rivers flowing out of you, where God can use you to heal other people? Come on, get other people delivered. Come on, get other people filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. You cannot give people what you don't have. So you need it in you, you need it on you, and you need it flowing out of you. How else would God touch the world if he doesn't have additional hands, additional feet, come on somebody, additional lives that will do for people what Jesus did for them while he was on the earth? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. So you need something in you, something on you, and something flowing out of you to reach a lost and dying world. Letter number three, and we're going to close right here, music department. Jesus later calls it an endowment of power. Go with me to Luke chapter 24. We'll close right here. Did you all get anything out of this today? How many of y'all glad you came to church today? How many of y'all agree that Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit or salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit are two separate experiences? Raise your hand if you've seen enough evidence in the scripture that these are two different experiences. Okay, let me give you one more verse. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Let's begin reading there. Then he said to them, Jesus, 
These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. So he's referring back to something he's already said to them. Is that accurate? What did he say here? That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms concerning me, referring to his death, burial, and resurrection. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now watch this. But behold, hold on, fellas. You're not ready yet. Talking to his disciples. So they already believe in him, right? But he said, for what you're getting ready to deal with, you're going to need more than just believing in me. So he said, hold up, wait a minute. Don't just try to go out there only believing in me. This is Jesus himself talking. He says, so hold on, behold, or look, I send the promise of my Father not in you, but how? So in other words, you're going to need some additional equipment. to deal with what's coming. So he says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Miraculous ability from on high. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Now I want to close here because, of course, when people don't study the Bible, I mean, we end up confusing people. So when I first got saved, they had what was called tarrying services. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And they send you into a back room to tarry for the Holy Ghost. Right? And, and man, God, for, praise God, that's all they knew, so I'm not talking about them. Then they took me back there in that room, and they told me to wait. And they told me to sit back there and say Jesus as fast as I could. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. So I'm back there. Jesus, Jesus, At the same time, come on, one of the nurses came in with the white dress on. And she began clapping in my face. Say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. Now, can I just be honest with everyone in this room? Then she said, stop. Because I said, she said, did something happen? I said, no. <laughs> now, no one showed me nothing that I just showed you. Nobody showed me a verse, nothing, anything. They just told me to go in the room and wait on them. Then another nurse comes in, and she says, say hallelujah as fast as you can. I said, hallelujah, 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 
pastor comes back there. He tells me to say both of those together. <laughs> say Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, as fast as you can. Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah. Then he started saying, that's it, that's it right there, that's it, keep going, keep going. Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, stop. Did anything happen? I said, no. That's what the pastor said. Then you have a devil. And we, true story, and we need to cast the devil out of you before we, I'm only 22 years old. How many know that could have messed me up for the rest of my life? That could have traumatized me for the rest of my life. He said, there's something in you preventing you from receiving this. Let me tell you what I did. I went to the bookstore, bought a book from Kenneth E. Hagin on Why Tongues, a teaching series on it, and got filled with the Holy Ghost right in my bedroom without anybody around. Because somebody gave me information. Now, it's interesting here. If you're going to be accurate, where did he tell the disciples to go? To Jerusalem. So if you're going to have a true Tarian service, you need to go to Jerusalem. Not to a back room. If we're going to be scripturally accurate, right? Thank God I turned out all right. But how many of y'all know that could have messed me up right there? <laughs> and so Luke calls it an endowment of power from on high. So notice Jesus did not say, tarry in Jerusalem until you are saved or converted. Is that accurate? He didn't say that, did he? Because they already believed. They're following him. But he told them to wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So it's clearly talking about a different experience. And I believe on the day of Pentecost, which I don't know if you all realize this, around our country today, today is Pentecost Sunday. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if a lot of people got filled on Pentecost Sunday? Come on, somebody. I believe Jesus' words in John chapter 7 were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. All right. Say this with me. Say, I need, I need the, Holy Spirit within the Holy Spirit within for my own, for my own personal, benefit. personal benefit. Say, I need, I need the, Holy the Holy Spirit upon for the benefit, for the benefit of, others. of others. I need something in me, something on me, so that I can serve God to the fullest. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, I haven't even got there yet, so, so we're actually, this is where we're traveling, but I think the Holy Ghost did enough work today. So everybody stand to their feet and do two different things today, all right? 